This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. And give us a call here because we are in the uh, first week of the preseason uh, or the preseason games and all those different things. So there's plenty of things to talk about. Uh, You know, certainly we find out that Colby Parkinson is now going to be able to come back instead of months. It's going to be a matter of weeks because he's not going to require surgery on that broken foot, but he is going to miss some times into the start of the regular season. But nevertheless, it looks like he, you know, he, he can be back, but no surgery for him. Then, of course, uh, you know, we got uh, the game coming up tonight, you know, 4 o'clock in the pregame, 6 o'clock on the game. You know, Seahawks take on the Las Vegas Raiders. But, again, we're taking your phone calls at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. And also we're taking your text questions, 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's uh, you know, a text line. Give us a text. Give us a call. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Corey in Puyallup. Hey, Corey. How you doing, JC? Good, good. How are you? Good, good. About to go out on the boat. Can't oh, nice. Play. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what are you, what are you looking for tonight? What kind of players are you looking for out there to uh, maybe yeah. make the roster, uh, maybe make a little splash? Yeah. I mean, again, it's like... Uh, we want to see, you know, what it looks like as far as, you know, who who plays in the defensive end position, you know, how they kind of Alton wrote... Robinson, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Alton Robinson and all that I'm stuff. I'm looking for um Ursula too. I think he could have a big game. He could, yeah, because again, at least you know he's going to play uh yeah. <laughs> particularly with Dwayne Estridge, you know, not being able to go. I mean, Freddie You know Swain's... what I always say too, more Swain, please. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Freddie I love Freddie. Do you really? What what do you like I... about him? I just think he's shifty. He's kind of like a poor man Tyler Lockett, really. Mm-hmm. I think give him a couple of years, it, it, you, we might even be forgetting about Tyler. I mean, Freddie might just be a Tyler Lockett 2.0. Yeah, it could be. I mean, again, you could see that you know he's rising up and doing some Especially good with things. That first year, I mean, he didn't really have many opportunities, but the ones he did, I mean, he, how many touchdowns did he get? Two, three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really liked what I saw out of him, and I think. Um, I'm really excited to see this offense too with Waldron. I think I think Waldron's going to take us to the next level. To be yeah, honest, yeah. I mean, one thing. I mean, you you can see you know how uh, he takes advantage of the speed because I mean you look at the outside zone runs and you know they look good, particularly with Chris Carson and Alex Collins taking some inside runs. And we'll see if Rashad Penny. You know, he's not going to play tonight, but we'll see if Rashad Penny was able to do some things so that's encouraging certainly uh you know you'll look to see uh you know will disley a tight end along with the uh, you know what goes on with gerald everett you'll want to see how how the rotation is going to be at the cornerback position because you know the numbers are there and i think that they could be all right you know we'll see how long they're going to go with arkello witherspoon and trey flowers has had a great camp so there's a lot of positive things out there for sure. I think a lot of people are also underestimating Seattle. I mean, Seattle's always going to be in the playoffs. We'll always be there. And just keep just keep um, looking down on us. Seattle will be in the playoffs. And I think this might even be our year, to be honest, if everything yeah. goes our way. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, everybody keeps on. It's like, well, they haven't been to the Super Bowl in this period of time. It's like, hey, it's hard to get to the Super Bowl. And, of course, you know, when you when you break up at the time they did with the Legion of Boom, it's going to take, you know, two, three, four years to try to build it back to as close to that level as you can go. 
And of course, I mean, you look at the team, it's like, you know, now, uh, particularly with the acquisition of Carlos Dunlap and what they've added on the defensive end position, now they have a pass rush they didn't have a couple years ago. Remember, two years ago in 2019, they only had 28 sacks. Now they had 46 last year, and they had a great second half of the season. And, of course, I think there's enough talent to do okay in the secondary. Certainly the two Pro Bowl safeties look very good. And so, uh, and the linebacking core, even though there's not a lot of numbers, but I think they look good. And people forget about Marquise Blair. Oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, he's, he's one of the guys I think you need to watch tonight because, obviously, with uh, Jamal Adams not playing, that uh, you know he'll get more time, and I think he, he can do some good things. He's kind of at... like, like you just gained the draft pick, basically. I mean, he, people forget about him. He's just kind of like a new player almost. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really excited to see it tonight, and um, let's beat these Raiders up like we always do. There you go. That sounds good. <laughs> normally they do it the fourth week of the preseason. Now here's the opening week of the preseason, and they're taking on the Raiders. Hey, thank you for the phone call. Have a good day, JC. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Give us a call. Also, we're going the text line at 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's text line. Let's go on the text line to 206. What's the latest news on Josh Gordon? Uh, well, none. I mean, right now he's waiting to find out from the commissioner whether he can you know, have that suspension lifted and then uh, see if he can get back in the league. And where is uh, Bruce Irvin? You, you kind of get the feeling with the ACL from last year, his age, that he's pretty well retired. So uh, I think that you're looking at him not having a chance to really, you know, get back uh, right now. And we certainly would have loved to got back to Seattle because I think he liked it before he got hurt. But I think right now you're looking at a major injury from last year. And so far, you know, nobody's called him. Nobody's had a chance to see where he stands. So I don't think it looks good. You know, as far as uh, the 206, he says, well, the Seahawks resigned Quentin Dunbar. I don't I don't envision it. I mean, something went awry in Detroit with Dunbar because, I mean, here he was, you know, I'm sure he had a chance to maybe see if he could start, but he did either something that uh, broke the trust of the team. You know, I don't know how bad it was or whatever. And he was away from the team for some period of time. So it's like, uh, yeah, I think right now they're not going to go back to Dunbar. I think you can eliminate that thought. Uh, Also, a 253. How long is Ethan Posick out? I would imagine he's going to probably return to practice this week. You know, I know that they're real happy right now with Kyle Fuller. <clears throat> Fuller has done a nice job at the center position, but obviously Posick got the one-year, $3 million deal, is the most likely uh, starter. So it's like uh, we'll see how that sorts out. But I would have to think he's not going to be out too much longer. Well, I think it's a hamstring, so it's not a, a real critical injury, but one that just takes some time to be able to heal and understand that Pete Carroll and a lot of coaches around the league are extra cautious right now with injuries and aren't rushing players back from the two five three you know uh was i surprised by the olden smith move well yeah absolutely because again we didn't we uh, they were raving about uh you know how he was as far as his work ethic and how he was as far as his conditioning and all that stuff you can see how well he looked in practice but obviously he did something that broke the trust and so whatever it was uh, it was, you know, right before his 20 hearing on the 24th, where you find out, you know, if he's going to be, uh, you know, getting the arrest or anything. I mean, because I already got arrested. So in the end, it's like, uh, you know, I, I was totally surprised. I think everybody was caught off guard from the 360. Uh, it's like it's I know it's way early, but do you see this year's Super Bowl? I mean, right now, any team's poised to surprise us. I don't know about surprise. I mean, certainly, I mean, you know that Seattle's going to be in the mix. Rams will, you know, be in the mix. You know, Green Bay is going to be in the mix. 
you know, Kansas City and Tampa Bay certainly are the two favorites to be in there. But I don't know if there's a real surprise Super Bowl team this year. There's going to be surprise playoff teams, but I don't know about Super Bowl teams. I guess if you want to pick a surprise, maybe you can look at the Chargers because, you know, here's Justin Herbert coming off that great season and doing so well. Last year is the rookie of the year offensive, and so uh, you know, and they built rebuilt the offensive line. So I think they have a chance to you know maybe you know do a better job of challenging the Kansas City Chiefs. But right now, I think the Chiefs have too big of an advantage. From the four two five, I hope the NFL makes it through this season without an outbreak. But there's plenty of good chance that they will get some cancellations. How do you think that'll affect the playoffs? Well, it's going to affect it a lot because again, if you have forfeits and if it's a good team that has to forfeit, I mean you know it's it's going to really cost them and it could cause some you know teams to go back and it's like you know they make a decision off win percentage instead of the number of wins probably i mean i think that that has to be the key i mean you know they do that anyways but ties and so it's going to be you know the win percentage that's going to take precedent over anything else will an eight and seven team rank higher than an eight and ten team no that's not going to be the case because again you don't have that win percentage number so that that's not going to happen from the 206 why did the nfl completely cancel game decide to completely cancel games it seems like with the bye weeks and maybe Maybe even a delayed postseason, they could attempt to reschedule at least some of the games. Well, the reason being is that uh, you know they had the flexibility last year of having that uh, you know seven that eighteenth week. You know, the eighteenth week being you have sixteen games and you know one bye week, and so then you have that uh, one break that you can move some things back. Well, they don't have it right now because you know they've got the seventeen game schedule, so you have your bye weeks and nothing else. And so because of that, you know, if you uh, you know have to work around the bye weeks, I mean, you're you're not going to be able to do it. So that's the big reason that they are are adamant about doing the. Uh, you know, the forfeits, because, again, you don't have that extra week to say, OK, if this outbreak happens, you know, we can move it back here. We can move it back there. You know, there's that window is closed with the 17 game schedule. And then finally, who are the strongest divisions in the NFC and the AFC? I'd say right now you can look in the AFC and say the AFC North because you got three playoff caliber teams there. I still look at the AFC West, and I see three possible playoff teams, Kansas City being the best, and, of course, uh, Denver and the uh, you know uh, Los Angeles Chargers being the other. Clearly, the NFC uh, West is the best in the NFC because you've got four teams that can win eight or nine games. And so with that in mind, you know, they have a great chance to be able to, uh, you know, do well and all that stuff. So, again, those are the strongest divisions. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Dave Grosby joining us at the bottom of the hour. Give us a call. This is the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Call us at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. You can also get on the Mac and Jack's text line at 710-710. Get your questions in there. Let's go to Roy in Buckley. Hey, Roy. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Thanks for calling. Uh, Hey, I had a question. Do you think... uh... Uh, Cody Barton's going to get some playing time tonight. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, it may yeah, not be a lot, but I think you'll get some playing time. I've always wanted to put my two cents in here because I always really thought he could be a diamond in the rough here. Uh, you know, on special teams, he is—he's almost always on the tackle every, right, every right. time on coverage. And when he does get to play defense, he's always around the ball. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. sure would really like to see him get some more playing time. I just, you know, he's. 
this kid, I think, is really underrated. Yeah, he's a smart player. I think he's a good player. I think you can see that he really works at it. And now, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame that they haven't brought in KJ right back. But I think that, uh, you know, part of the reason is that they want to see how Cody Barton can do because obviously he's the young replacement to play strong side inside linebacker or a strong side outside linebacker. Yeah, I just I just think he's all over the place. He reminds me a lot of Dave when uh, Wyman when he played for the Seahawks, and he's just he just seems to always be around the ball. He's always there, and you know, I just kind of wanted to put my two cents about him. I really like his play, and I, I hope to see more of him this year. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I obviously you will. Uh, no, again, I don't think they're going to play as much three linebacker sets as they did uh, this past year. Uh, you know, back in 2020, you know, I think they'll mix in a little bit more nickel and things of that nature. But uh, no, no doubt that uh, you know, Barton is going to be out there a whole bunch this year. Well, I thank you, uh, and I uh, hope you have a great weekend. Hey, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Give us a call here. Dave Grosby joining us at the bottom of the hour. Also, we're taking your text questions on the uh, Mac and Jack's text line from the 360. It seems like the Rams always have the Seahawks number. Do you really think that uh, that will continue this year? And what do you think the Seahawks can do to beat them? Well, I mean, again, it's like, okay, so there's two games that really stand out. Obviously, that second playoff game uh, or the playoff game last year, and then the one time that they came into Seattle and you know, just blew out the Seahawks. But overall, it's usually you know the Seahawks win the home game. Rams win the, their home game against the Seahawks. And so now it's a matter that, uh, you know, the defense, which last year surprised everybody with the Rams being number one, you know, and they did such a great job in that cover two that they did. Now with the Seahawks changing their offense and, you know, that, that can neutralize that to a certain degree. But again, it's like you, you win the home games. But again, you know, these teams, I think, are even enough that it's, it's hard to get a split or hard to get a sweep. And so because of that, I mean, you just have to make the adjustments. You have to do all the right things and, uh, you know, try to win. And, of course, you know, it didn't help last year in the playoff game and in the, for the whole season that you didn't have any fans in the stands. You know, certainly now, you know, particularly with Matthew Stafford at quarterback, I mean, you know, it's going to be noisy for him with the 12s trying to, you know, yell and shout and try to see if they can get the false starts and all those different things. Fans in the stand means a lot because, again, you're looking at more home field advantage in Seattle than most teams around the league. And because, again, it has one of the loudest crowds. It's got a great setup and all those different things. That will play a factor this year. And then we'll see how it is you know, for the Rams in their new stadium because they're now going to be you know, finally there with fans in the stands. From the 206, what are the Seahawks' secret when it comes to longevity? Seems like they have consistency from being a playoff contender for years from now. Well, because I think that you know, just like you see in places like Pittsburgh, other places that stay with a coach, stay with a front office, don't make changes, that you don't have to go through all the ups and downs of coaching changes. And Pete Carroll, you know, you can say what you want. It's like uh, I know he sometimes takes a little too much criticism. But, I mean, you're looking at, you know, there's maybe four coaches right now that are currently coaching that have a great chance to be, you know, Pro Football Hall of Fame candidates if we were able to keep that coaching category uh, going in the Pro Football Hall of Fame voting. And, of course, I mean, you know, you got Pete Carroll, you got Bill Belichick, you got Andy Reid, you got Sean Payton. 
Peyton. I think those are the top four. But the fact that Pete Carroll has set up a great defensive system and you know hasn't varied from it too much. He has a philosophy of how to win. I mean, you win the turnover battle, you win the games. If you lose the turnover battle, you lose the games. And so you can see that formula has worked for so long to a point that what they've only missed one playoff run uh you know since he's been head coach and obviously you know having a russell wilson at quarterback that makes a big difference too you know it's like uh, you know you uh, and you know john snyder does such a great job in assembling talent for this team and that's why everything's so successful but again i think what you're looking at is that uh you know they uh, the defense works I mean, it's it's a, a one that now it's it's funny because I know that Colin Coward made the stupid comment uh, yesterday. It's like, oh yeah, Pete Carroll. It's like he's got an outdated defense. Nobody runs that anymore. And it's like, well, I mean, the Raiders just went to it. The Cowboys just went to it. I mean, <clears throat> other teams have gone to it. I mean, you know, Sean Payton's gone to it. It's like, uh, you know, what's he talking about? And that's just absolutely crazy, some of the things that he says. But, again, that's just Colin Coward right now. Uh, two five three. what do you expect from the Mariners this season? I assume we'll miss the playoffs again, but is a playoff appearance in 2022 possible? Yeah, because I think that you know this offseason they'll spend a little bit more to add. Uh, you can see that the, the good young talent is getting better and better and better. Uh, you know, they still they still need to do a better job of hitting. I mean, again, they do a great job at the end of the games. But, uh, you know, you know, the it's hard to keep winning these 3-2, uh, 2-1 type of games, but they do. I mean, the bullpen has exceeded expectations. You know, certainly, I mean, you look at all the young position players, and that's very encouraging. You know, Mitch Haniger looks good. We'll see if they keep uh, Kyle, Shan- Kyle Seeger, all those things. But overall, I think that you can see that, you know, you got four, uh, three or four top prospects in the top 14 in the league. Uh, in the minor leagues. And so, no, I think that things look very good. You know, you're right about not making the playoffs. I think they're going to fall short there, but I think they have a chance to make a playoff run next year. Now, are they going to catch a team like Houston? Probably not, but I think that uh, they're far ahead of schedule because, again, you know, normally when you do a breakdown like they do, it takes like you know four or five years to bounce back where they've come back in a shorter period of time and done such a great job in doing it. From the 4 2 5 what NFL preseason matchup are you most interested in? I mean, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, uh, certainly I want to see what uh, San Francisco and Trey Lance look like. So looking at that one, uh, I, like I'm, I'm missing the one right now because the Chicago Bears have Justin Fields on the field. And, of course, uh, want to see how he does. want to see how the young quarterbacks do. Because, again, you've got five first-round quarterbacks, uh, see how they all pitch in and see what they're able to do. And so I think that's going to be interesting to see. Two oh uh, four two five I would say eight 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 seven I mean eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two oh six four two one ESPN. Coming up next, we're gonna have our weekly dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. This is the John Clayton Show on seven ten ESPN Seattle and seven ten sports dot com. And it's time for our weekly dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. So uh, the Mariners you know, get a, another amazing win last night. Uh, again, the hitting hasn't been there except at the end of the games. But, of course, a walk-off walk gives them a 3-2 to two win over Toronto. And, of course, you know, they were able to get you know, the wins earlier this week in close games. It's just amazing to see that uh, you know, the pitching's holding up. The relief pitching, for the most part, has been holding up. Uh, and you know, they're somehow able to win these close games to a point where now, even though they're probably not making the playoffs, there's seven games over 500. They've kind of become special specialists in walking off with the walk-off walk. Yeah. 
I mean, how many times did they do that against Houston? I, I think they've done it four or five times already this wow. year, and and uh, it was uh, was a lot of patience shown by Kelnick, who, who hasn't shown a lot of it uh, during the year, and and uh, he did he did a nice job in that one. You know, it was it was a good week for baseball in general. I want to digress for a second, John. Did you happen to see anything or hear anything about that that game they had in the Iowa cornfields? The field I, I, game? I mean, I heard good things. I didn't see it, but I heard good it things. It was it was you know. We, we trash baseball and deservedly so for lots of stuff and lots of reasons, but they, uh, no pun intended, absolutely hit a hit a home run uh, in that game. It was it was just one of those perfect things where you know, they had the players at the start walking out of the corn. They had the White Sox wearing the uniforms that the guys wore in the in the Field of Dreams. You know there was a li- limited separation between fans and players, so there was a lot more mixing. It, you know captured the old environment they were looking for and. And, you know, the, the game, you know, you, you can never count on the game but um, because it's unpredictable. But you know, here you have uh, the White Sox winning it with a walk-off home run, you know, in the bottom of the ninth that lands in the corn. It was just, you know, for a sport that misses a lot of things, uh, baseball really connected on that one. I don't know how they can follow it up, and I'm not sure that they can follow it up. But uh, it was uh, it was definitely something worth mentioning. Just oh, a, no a doubt. Tremendous, tremendous event. And, and uh, just uh, for a sport that doesn't have a lot of good looks, it really created a good look. Yeah, because, again, it's like they it seems like uh, with Rob Manfred, there's just so many mistakes and so many things that you can criticize baseball for that remains. But, of course, here, here's one where it's great to see that they took care of tradition. I think they took care and you know, really did a great job with the presentation of that. Again, I'm sorry I wasn't able to see it, but uh, you know, I heard nothing but rave reviews and deserved rave reviews. Yeah, had Kevin Costner throw out the first pitch. It was uh, it was very well done. Now let, let's hope they don't uh, go and mess it up. But um, you know, in, with with having games there all the time or anything like that, it'll be it'll be that'll be the temptation. It's kind of like uh, I read a read a piece where a guy talked about what hockey's done with the Winter Classic, which you know what was a classic when they had it in, in unique places, but now it's it's not. It's just it's not a special thing anymore. That was a that was a very special deal, and maybe you do it every ten years or something like that. But you know they'll never likely to have the the, the luck they had with having a, a nine eight game mm-hmm. where the Yankees scored you know hit two long home runs to to go ahead in, in the top of the ninth and then hit a walk off home run to win in the bottom of the ninth. Just just great stuff. So it, it was nice to see uh, baseball have itself a good weekend. And as you mentioned, the Mariners having a good week and catching catching the Blue Jays. Uh, you know this week. And and um, trying to, you know, trying to stay alive and, and hang in there. But uh, as you pointed out, six seven games over 500 after a real rough stretch. Uh, they are certainly playing good baseball now. Yeah, no doubt. And of course, I mean, what's great is that uh, you know here's Toronto, a good a good baseball team, and you know they still have games coming up against a couple of bad baseball teams. I mean, Kansas City is going to be you know uh, around for a couple, and you know that's where they can try to make up some more ground. But I, I just think, unfortunately, I mean, you've got so many teams in the wild card mix right now or in, in, in the wild card mix it's just going to be hard to catch them it is i mean uh, i i suggested that that it's going to take 91 wins to uh, did the tweeted out yesterday i think 91 wins get you in the playoffs and the american league gets you that second wild card spot and for the mariners that would mean winning 30 of their last 46 games that's that's playing at quite a quite a stretch and and uh, no guarantee i mean that number may well go up but depending on how other teams are playing you've got the red sox you know the yankees uh, the Blue Jays, as you pointed out, all in the mix and, and uh, all playing pretty good ball. And, and you know, the, the Tampa playing great as well. I mean, the American League is tough. There, there's no question about it. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's, uh, you know, for, for depending on what happens, and there's still, you know, anything can happen. But 
I think a lot of us will look back and, and wonder if, you know, th- this did not look like a team that, that was going to be able to sustain what they had been doing. But, uh, boy, on, on July 25th, when they hit, when they hit the Dylan, Dylan, uh, Dylan Smith, uh, Dylan Thomas, from excuse me, hit the home run against the uh, Astros to win 11 to eight. It really felt like you had something special going on, and and um, you know it was defying the odds sort of thing. And and it's just frustrating, I know, for longtime fans, just you know waiting, waiting, waiting for for a postseason appearance. That that uh, I kind of agree with you at this point. It doesn't seem likely. No, but I think what's so fascinating is that uh, you know you, you look at the position players right now, and just about uh, to a man. Uh, they they all look good. I mean, particularly some of the young guys. I mean, you know, you've got uh, a good news second baseman who's looking good. The outfield looks good. Mitch Haniger is having a great season, and Cal Seager, even though his batting average is low, he's having a great season. The fielding just remains remarkable. I mean, how many big catches did they make in the outfield last night? And so defensively, they're they're so much better. And again, it's like a, this seems like it's a really good group that's going to continue to grow. They look really strong up the middle at this point already, and that's not even counting Julio Rodriguez, who's, who's a few years away from joining them. And, and uh, you know, they were without Evan White defensively this year, though Ty France just made a spectacular play uh, last night, and, and he has been a he has been just a solid pickup for them. Uh, I agree. The, the, the young guy, Cal Raleigh, I mean, you know, he just needs to get his bat going, but he looks every inch the, the kind of guy that can be a catcher for this team for, for the foreseeable future. They do have a lot of, a lot of the pieces in place moving forward. I know one of the things that was I thought was fascinating is you know when you looked at the lineup yesterday, uh, and you go back to the early part of the season. I mean, you know, they would have like four or five guys batting in the one hundreds. Well, the only one last night that uh, was in the starting lineup that was batting uh, uh, in the one hundreds that's Jarrett Kelnick, and you can see of late, I mean, he's he's getting better and better and better. I mean, it's has you know that zero for thirty nine stretch certainly was going to make it impossible to you know make up a lot of ground as far as his batting average, but overall think you can see a lot of positive things there oh he's been a different player since he came back for sure and and you know had a little bump in getting started but but now is uh, is showing showing what he can do i mean is showing the, the kind of player he is and and you know my, my my the guy that i'm really uh i'm really enjoying watching is jake fraley i mean i, I he's just he he strikes me as, as um this may sound like a strange comparison but he strikes me as Mark McLemore. I mean, he's just—he seems to me to be the kind of guy that that a, that a winning team has. You know, a guy who, who plays good defense. Uh, you know, who, who gets on base. You know, who can who can hit the ball. Um, you know, to, to all field and can hit hit a home run. Uh, McLemore really couldn't do that, but uh, was so valuable defensively all over the field and and just just you know a player that you feel like if, if he's on your bench you have an advantage he's 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 a guy that I've, I've come to really like and enjoy watching play and and look i saw kyle lewis was taking some some ab's so i mean we may get a look at him uh, come september as well and and uh, remember he was a rookie of the year last year mm-hmm. and, and we'll see we'll see if he can he can give him a boost down the stretch yeah that'll be good what, what's your thoughts on what's going to be the future of uh, kyle seager well uh you know it, it's it's it, he, He's here, and and uh, I don't. I think they would have traded him at the trade deadline if they could have. Um, I think Abraham Toro is likely to be his his placement in 2022. But at this point, I mean, I think he's he's a solid pro. I I, I don't feel bad. I don't feel uncomfortable having him uh, playing third base this year or next year. I don't think he'll get a contract extension at that point. But I think he's a guy you know who lived up to his contract. Uh, you know, has been a very very solid pro. You know, not not a breathtakingly great ball player, not an all-star caliber ball player, maybe, but 
but in, in certain years he's been very close to it. He's a, he's a real good defensive third baseman. He's grown into a, a really really solid uh, clubhouse leader. Uh, I think just you know he, he goes down as one of the one of the great Mariners to play third base. That's for sure, and uh, just just a real real solid solid good professional. Yeah, no doubt. On the college football front, uh, interesting yesterday that the Pac-12 had discussions with the Big Ten, and I think it was the ACC, yep. about maybe seeing there can be some kind of an alignment. Uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, everyone is everyone is scrambling for a dance partner uh, before the music stops. Um, you know, they're not really talking about merging yet, but uh, don't be shocked if, if they do one day. I mean, I think it, it's the wild, wild west when it comes to college sports still, John, I, I don't think people know what's going to happen next. Uh, and uh, I think uh, conversations are, are like that are taking place to try and try and cover themselves, try and protect themselves from from, you know, getting left behind, I suppose. You know, they're talking about power five conferences, but, you know, that that perception can change. I mean, everyone is kind of looking at the SEC and and they're they going to do a, a deal with the, with the Big Ten and and uh, and eventually become a, a super conference. Uh, will they all just become one like 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 we have talked about? You know, all you, know, you get top 32 teams together and, and and just play it like you know play it like a professional league plays it. Uh, I don't think anyone really knows what, what what's to come, but uh, not surprising to see that that people are talking all over the place. And, and in weeks to come, you're going to hear about probably more more strange dance fellows as as they try and get this whatever it's going to be figured out in the next couple of years. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and again, it's kind of, it's a strange time, but I, I don't, don't you get concerned when you have that kind of a dramatic change in what goes on in college football? Well, I mean, it, it, it's, it was inevitable and, and they were, they, they really uh, could have planned for it better if they had had some leadership, which we've gone at, at, at nauseum on this show and they didn't have it. So uh, I think sure there, there's, Definitely trepidation about change. I mean, you know, the, the, the schools and conferences, you know, cannot claim, uh, you know, tradition anymore. They, they threw that out the window a long time ago. Um, you know, the Rose Bowl was the Rose Bowl. I mean, you know, the, they, they trampled all over tradition. So, you know, when you don't have that, you're, you're kind of in a, in, a, in a strange period. And, and that's what they are. So, I mean, look, as long as people are willing to support their college uh, colleges by, by – uh, supporting sports it will continue how it will continue what it'll look like uh, remains to be seen but it's not going to go away i know on your agenda i mean certainly it's got to be uh, a big night tonight because uh, <laughs> the first preseason game goes and i know how much you love the preseason and watching practice and things of that nature but uh, you know seahawks open up at six o'clock against the las vegas raiders i mean I, you're going to be dramatically watching that i'm assuming i'll watch some john I'll watch some, but but uh, with, with great interest and a notepad out, probably not. Uh, but uh, sure, there's always some intrigue when you play the first game and, and you get a chance to to see what 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 the team looks like. Even though um, you know uh, Los Angeles, it's the Rams, right? Are, are not playing any starters again this year, I no. believe. Carol, uh, Matt is, Rule of Carolina came out yesterday and said he's going to do the same thing. Yeah, I think it's smart. I, I, as you know, I don't think you need to play preseason games, but. You know the Seahawks have a different attitude about that, and they've got they've got some guys in some situations to figure out, and some guys can take step forward. So there is definitely you know some things on the line. 
uh, tonight, uh, especially with fewer preseason games. Uh, it's, it's, I'm curious to see what that what that looks like, if that means uh, more run from the Seahawks' perspective for the starters. But, you know, it's still all about, in my opinion, just, just not getting guys hurt and, and uh, not losing guys in practice games that you need for the real ones. Yeah, that's true. And, again, it's like uh, injuries <clears throat> play such a big part in that. And, like, for example, I know earlier this week, Baltimore had 21 players that were missing practice because of injuries. 21. Holy Toledo. I will say this though, John. I, 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 one thing that I do love about the about the, the preseason aspect of football is hard knocks. Yeah. And uh, watching the Cowboys flail away is um, it, it's, it's for me sad, but but also amusing. What 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 caught your eye on uh, hard knocks this week? Um, you know, Mike, uh, <laughs> I mean a couple of things. Jerry Jones just seeing how how involved he is in 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 all the aspects of everything, and then. And then uh, I, I just I'm trying to remember what what, what was the game that that uh, the the coach was playing with the guy, Austin Powers mm-hmm. yeah Mojo moment I mean has Mike McCarthy lost his mind <laughs> maybe <laughs> I thought I thought that was a little strange John but but again I marvel at the access and, and the amazing job that, that HBO does on that it's just a, it's an incredible insight into into what what goes on at training camp yeah I mean it I do look forward to that every year yeah and of course obviously the big thing is that uh, you know now getting Dak Prescott back on the field because you know yeah. <clears throat> he suffered that uh, uh, arm injury that he had to go now get checked out as by you know the Texas Ranger doctor because it's more of a baseball type injury than it is a football type injury yeah it's, it's, it's a tremendous story I mean they've got I don't know if the, the Cowboys probably don't mind having the cameras there but but that's very dramatic following uh, following Prescott and, and seeing if he can if he can get back and and uh, it's uh, it's definitely definitely makes for must see TV in my book. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. And of course, it'll be on on Tuesday, <clears throat> which of course I think everybody's looking forward to because again, it's like uh, it is such a great great production. So what's on the agenda for the Gras this weekend? Well, <clears throat> preseason football, John. I'm not yeah. gonna miss. I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to stay inside out of the smoke, man. Oh. It's gotten terrible again. Jeez. I know. I mean, I think, is, is this going to be the last day of the 90s period? What do you mean? Well, because, again, it's like uh, I know for the next week or so, starting tomorrow, it's supposed to go into the 70s. Oh, I'm, I got you. I got you. Yeah, let's hope so, man. Let's hope so. Yeah, because, I mean, I've, I've been miserable. I mean, I'm absolutely miserable with this heat, you know, the, uh, you know, the, pollution you name it it's the just smoke yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's uh, go away mm-hmm. crying yeah. out loud put those fires out no doubt about I know it everyone's doing as good as they can no doubt hey that's our weekly dose of the Gras with dave grosby dave have yourself a great weekend thanks john you too okay 866-979-ESPN-206-421-ESPN ESPN. john clayton show 710 ESPN Seattle this is the john clayton show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com our thanks to Matt Nelson for producing the show. Our thanks to Na- Matt Nelson for running the show. Uh, wrapping up with phone calls at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. You know, if you have a text question, too, you can text us on the uh, Mac and Jack's text line at 710-710. But let's go to Commando Dave. David, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, John Clayton. Doggone it. And it's great to be back on the John Clayton Show on 710 Cairo home of the What Happens in Vegas, Seattle Seahawks, and the rising Seattle Mariners. Shout out to Matt DMC Nelson for getting me on the air so I can bring it to the show. And while I'm giving shout outs, John Clayton, let me give a belated happy birthday shout out to the godfather of Seattle Sports Radio. We just heard him, the one and only Gros, Dave Grosby. The John Clayton Show wouldn't be the same without him. 
and he looks fantastic for 75, doesn't he, John <laughs> Yeah, he's a little younger than I am, and, but of course. Uh, and but, speaking of, I get the grass. And speaking of Seattle sports radio legends, last week I was disappointed that the Mariners pregame show truncated the John Clayton show, and we didn't get an opportunity to commemorate the 14th anniversary of your induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as the McCann Award winner. Uh, you got a favorite memory of Hall of Fame weekend 007, John Clayton? Oh, several. I mean, first off, uh, to be back there being treated like, you know, all the Hall of Fame players, you know, spend some mm-hmm. time with Andre Reed and, you know, get, mm-hmm. you know, they got, uh, they gave me a, a football that was autographed by every, uh, Hall of Famer that was there. That was sensational. Right. And I think probably the big thing, and I think, uh, Pat would agree with this was the parade, you know, because, mm-hmm. You know, what happened with the parade is that, uh, you know, we're sitting there in the car and, you know, what was nice is that, uh, you know, the fans who were on, on the parade route, uh, you know, they they uh, they uh, kept on yelling uh, all the stuff that I was saying the night before when I had the presentation <laughs> for the uh, mm-hmm. McCann Award. Because, you know, one of the things, and again, they give you three minutes, and I know that the, uh, you know, Joe Horgan from the Hall of Fame uh, was asking me, it's like, okay, so where's your script? It's like, I don't have a script. It's like, what do you mean you don't have a script? <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm just doing it off the top of the head. And so it's like, uh, yeah, but it's, it's got to be three minutes. It's like, yeah, it'll be three minutes. And one of the yeah. things that I did, and of course, I mean, this turned out to be a highlight and everybody was shouting it back, is that uh, I said, you know, my mom uh, was really in, involved in getting me so in, uh, in love with football that she would take me to Pitt Stadium. We watched Steeler games and all those different mm-hmm. things. And of course, uh, you know, I, I said that, uh, you know, all the fans around her uh, that were sitting near her in the seat would say, why'd you bring the bratty little kid? The bratty little kid's going to be uh, all he wants to do is eat. And it's like, I didn't eat anything. I just wanted to you know, learn football and watch football with my yeah. mom. And so it's like uh, he says, but you're paying full price for him to come in here like that. Why do you do that? It's like, well, because, I mean, you know, he he's wanting the game of football. And of course, uh you know, then talking about the idea that, uh, you know, I in high school, I you know started writing for the St. Mary's Daily Press covering the Steelers. You know, I did the, the PR. I mean, I did the PA mm-hmm. system in both basketball and football. And the one thing that she always told me to do is to write because, again, it just makes you write as far as your ability to talk and do all those different things. Mm-hmm. And so it's like uh, and so I, at the end of the thing, I said, uh, so I just want to say I want to thank my mom for paying full price, giving me the chance to <laughs> get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, as a football writer, football broadcaster. Thanks, Mom. And now everybody on the uh, line, there was uh, they all were yelling. It's like, yeah, way to go, Mom. Way to go, Mom. So it was, it was just a great moment. <laughs> and, John Clayton, prior to becoming a Hall of Famer, you were a Hall of Fame voter renowned for duking it out behind closed doors for hours with mm-hmm. your fellow voters. How was the voting conducted this year? Uh, it's going to be by Zoom. We're going to do, well, of course, uh, you know, again, it's usually at the Super Bowl. Uh, <clears throat> we'll see where it stands as far as whether it's going to be by Zoom or anything else. Last year was by Zoom. But, like, for example, on August 31st, we're doing contributors. And on the contributor list, uh, you know, we'll have to see where it goes as far as the, uh, you know, 
who can make it. we got a list of 10 that will be coming back to us that uh, you know have a chance. I'm hoping that Paul Allen has a chance to maybe slip in there because I think he's well-deserving and all that stuff. But in the end, it's like, uh, yeah, so we'll have a Zoom vote on August 31st, and then that's Saturday before the Super Bowl is when uh, we usually vote. Huh. All right. Good enough on that. Uh, and lastly, John Clayton, I trust you are familiar with your Washington Post colleague, Will Hobson. Uh, no, what? tell me about Will. Well, he, he uh, he's, he's a national sports writer for the Washington Post. He uh, wrote a column, How Race Norming Was Built Into the NFL Concussion Settlement. And my takeaway in short is that race norming is akin to grading on a curve based on race. And not only has the NFL been paying concussion settlements with former white players at the uh, NFL players at the top of the curve, curve and former black players at the uh, bottom of the curve, the league has just gone to the mat with uh, that stance when challenged in court by black players. And, uh, are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah, and and the league is wrong in that. There's no question. The league is wrong. Yeah, dead wrong. In my estimation, that's not defending the shield. That's tarnishing it. Yeah. My best, mm. Mr. Clayton. Talk to you, John Clayton. Okay, thank you. And, of course, uh, we'll be back next Saturday from 8 until 11. And don't forget to listen to the broadcast tonight. We'll be starting at 4 o'clock. And uh, game time is at 6, pregame at 4. This is the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.